Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. A big welcome to those who are watching online. Just when I thought warm Sundays were over, they've come back. I'm not complaining. I am not complaining. Who's ready for the word? If you weren't here last week, we, we showed our Heart for the House 2023 presentation. And uh, if you weren't here, we just lift up your hands. We want to give you a brochure. Um, and also want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to head to our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. I'll keep you up to date with all of our services. But you can watch back our presentation for this year. It's remarkable. It's 30 minutes, and it shows really everything that's happened over the last 12 months and everything we're trusting God for the next 12 months. So I encourage you to take hold of the brochure. Inside of that is an envelope. And on, on, on the uh, 28th of... What month is it? That's the month, October. We will be receiving our Heart for the House, which is our annual miracle offering, and believing God that we're going to close the faith gap on our new building and also continue on the amazing work in uh, and through uh, the church. And so... Um, yeah, please, please prayerfully consider the part that you can play. We need a miracle on that day, and we're trusting God for a miracle. Jesus spoke a lot about mountains. Unlike the majority of us who grew up uh, around Ringland Hills or Beeston Bump, we don't quite understand what it is to live in mountainous regions. But Jesus grew up surrounded by mountains. As a boy, Jesus would have hiked up mountains, camped on mountains, run up and down mountains, lit fires on mountains, and the Bible is full of mountains. Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Mount Tabor, the site of Jesus' transfiguration. Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up his son Isaac. Mount of Olives, where Jesus spent his uh, final night before his crucifixion. In fact, his final act on earth of crucifixion happened on a mountain, Mount Calvary. Jesus ministered a lot from mountains. One of the reasons he would minister from mountains was to project his voice, because he wouldn't have been able to have a microphone amplification like we have today. But he also used mountains a lot as metaphors to describe some of the things and the challenges that people and the disciples faced. Jesus often referred to mountains as unovercomable situations. What is an unovercomable situation? A situation that you and I cannot move by ourselves. We don't know anyone who can help us, and we just, we just need someone else, some supernatural force to come in and move that situation. It is an obstacle in our life which looms so big that it will not move on its own. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, Jesus is explaining to his disciples about the power of moving mountains, but he's also describing the dangers of unbelief in our lives and how our unbelief can keep mountains in front of us, mountains which are our problems, our circumstances, our issues from moving. And he challenges them. And Jesus can see doubt, he can see fear, he can see trust issues in the disciples, and so he challenges them. 
And this is why he says, I want us to stand, sorry, one more time as we read God's word together from Mark chapter 11. And I want us to, to read together in faith. Okay, we don't have to read quietly. We can read out loud. Ready? I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it, it will happen, and have no doubt in your heart. God bless the reading of your word. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus was teaching his disciples from the Mount of Olives, approximately 15 miles from the nearest sea, which was the Dead Sea. And he was using an everyday example to say, you see this mountain that we're sitting on? It is impossible to pick this up and move it into the sea. Who knows that would be virtually impossible to move a mountain and push it into the sea, especially being so far away. And Jesus was helping them and helping us understand we all have impossible situations in our lives. I'm not talking about the cat's got a bit of a cold. Okay, and God bless the cat. Okay, but the cat can probably go to the vets and get fixed up. I'm talking about situations in your life which seem absolutely impossible. Maybe you're believing God to be married and you've been waiting 20 years and you think this is just impossible. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a terminal disease. Maybe you have a situation in your marriage. Maybe you have a situation in your business, in your finances, which seems absolutely impossible and just like the disciples sitting on the mountain you are staring at it in the face and saying God this is impossible to turn around and Jesus gives the disciples a very simple but profound truth he says this unbelief will keep a mountain but faith can move a mountain unbelief will keep a mountain but faith can move a mountain Now, if you are new to church, this is pretty out there, okay? So I kind of put a little disclaimer in, okay? Because life is built on logic, life is built on science, life is based on what you can see. And Jesus comes along and he throws all that out of the water and says, do you know what? With a little faith, you can actually see the things that are impossible in your life be removed. And so this defies logic. God can move mountains. The mountain in your health, God can move. The mountain of debt, God can clear. The mountain of addiction, God can can resolve. The mountain in your family, God can heal. But the question is this, what kind of mountain are you facing? Now, I want to hand out these little cards. At the front, it's the theme of our heart for the house. It says, every seat tells a story. But on the back, it says, what I'm believing God for. And I want you just to, to, to begin to think. Now, you, you can fill this in right now. You can fill it, in, fill it in as the service is progressing. You can take it home. There's no rush to do this. But I want all of us to think about an impossible situation that we're facing. Like I said, if, it's, if, if you can sort it out, it's not impossible. That can be anything. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, 26, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What kind of circumstance is impossible for you? Now sometimes we've been hanging around the same mountain for so long, we've settled in front of it. It's just the way it is. But God wants to move mountains in our church in this half of the house season. And I am trusting God and believing God for you 
that God is going to move mountains. Now, I want you to write something on this card that seems ridiculous. You've heard me say it before. If you do something ridiculous, God can perform the miraculous. I want you to do something that seems ridiculous. Something that, God, this is so impossible. It's such a big mountain in my life that only you can move it. For me, I'm writing down about the new building. Got a 1.4 million pound faith gap, and we are believing God over the next few weeks. That, trust me, that is a mountain, and it is staring at me. That is staring at me. So that is the mountain that I'm facing. We just write it down. What mountain is staring you down, getting you down, wearing you down, keeping you down? What, what is keeping in front of you right now? And don't you dare limit God. Don't you dare limit God. I can't write that. The very thing that you think you can't write is the very thing you need to write. The very thing you think God can't do is the very thing he wants to do. You can't shift a mountain 15 miles into the sea unless you're God. Now, if you're watching online, we don't want you to miss out. Find a piece of paper, get a pen, and write something down. And Jesus could tell the disciples were struggling. Maybe they were struggling with their faith. So like every good teacher, he used what was right in front of him, a metaphor, a mountain. And in two verses, he teaches 12 people four basic building lessons. And he doesn't just teach the disciples, he challenges them. And the best teachers know what questions their students are asking before they teach. The best teachers. They, can, they assume they can see through their students' lens and they, they, they answer the questions that the students are asking in their minds. And Jesus, knowing all things, he can see the questions that the disciples are asking and he, he, he answers these four questions. I want to talk just for the next few moments on this mountain will move. I want us to say this together. This mountain will move. Now we're going to say it with some faith. This mountain will move. Okay, this is, the first, this is the first question the disciples were asking Jesus. Can we put the verse back? Right at the very start, the first few letters, first few words of this verse says this. Ready? I tell you the truth. The disciples have heard so many different versions of truth, narratives, claims. They are asking this question, who can I trust? I'm asking myself in 2023, who do I trust? Politics have let us down. Politicians have let us down. People who know better should have let, has, have let us down. Churches let us down. And Jesus comes along with this profound statement. And before he even addresses any mountains, he says this, I tell you the truth. I think we're all living with similar questions like the disciples in this day and age of who can we trust. Now, I want to share this with you. The very core of our faith is this, the very core. Can I trust God? That's the core of our faith. Can I trust God? The very core of Chantal and I's marriage is this. Can I trust my wife? Can she trust me? Trust is the bedrock. It is the foundation of anything that works in life. Does it matter if it's an airplane, a car? Trust. Can I trust God? And before Jesus speaks about miracles, problems, mountains, he gets to the first issue. He says, do you really trust me? 
I know the Romans have let you down. They've occupied your territory. I know that people have let you down. I know maybe the, the Levites and the priests have left you down. So I want to just start with this. I tell you the truth. The problem is often we put God in the same box as politicians, officials, even family members, and maybe even Christians. And we've all been let down. Sometimes even our own families let us down. And our earthly father failed us, so we project this onto our heavenly father. But you can never truly trust something or someone that has not been tested. God is inviting us over these next few days and weeks as we build up to heart for the house to test him so we can trust him. For us to see mountains moved in our life, we need to trust God. Now that sounds very cliche, trust God. To trust God, we have to trust God at three things. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. God's word, God's will, and God's way. God's word, God's will, his way. If we're truly going to trust him, we've got to trust him. First of all, we've got to trust God's word. That's very difficult to trust God's word. Okay, because sometimes it asks us to do things that don't seem right. Yesterday I was driving down the road and this man came along and fully cut me up. Fully cut me up. Now, two responses. What does God's word say? Turn the other cheek. That's what God's word says. What do my feelings say? What do I want to do? I want to get irritated, respond. Just because I trust something doesn't mean to say I agree with something. There are times that scriptures, I don't agree with them, but I trust them. There are times my children disagree with me, but they trust me because I am their parent. And even though in the moment we might not agree with what God's word says, we trust him because he is our father and he knows what's best for us. And so the, the Jesus was coming to the disciples and says, we're going to get to your mountains, we're going to get to your problems, but we just got to lay some ground rules here. Do you trust me? When we talk, have faith in God, then we can talk about moving mountains. But before we get to moving mountains, we've got to be, do you really trust me? If someone came to me and said, John, I'm going to give you 10 million pounds for the new building. The first thing I'm going to think is this. What's their word like? Who are they? What's their, what's their motives? What's their, what's, what's their character? And then before you'd even, you'd try to find out the situation before you started to trust it. You can't bank on anything until you trust it. I can fully God, trust God that this building will be paid in full because I have tested God. And God has always been faithful to his word. Now what does his word say? His word says in Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. That's his word. What's his will? His will, Matthew 16, 18, he said this, I will build my church. His will is he's going to build his church. I can trust his word, I can trust his will, and I can trust his way. His way is his character. What's his character? His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. So I can trust his word, I can trust his will, and I can trust his way. So many times we go to God with a list of problems, a shopping list, and God's saying, you don't even trust me. If you don't trust God, don't ask God. This is a challenge for us today. We're saying, God, you know, you don't answer my prayers. You don't even trust God. We've got to trust him before we ask him. 
When our faith has been tested, then it can be trusted. But we have to put our faith to the test. Moving mountains begins by placing our confidence in his word, his will, and his, wo- in, and his, way. his way. Faith is simply acting like God is telling us the truth. We just keep acting. God, you're telling me the truth. I'm not going to keep walking in it. So the, the question we have is this. Whose truth do you trust? Do you trust the world's truth? Which is relative because it moves all the time. It's moving all the time. Or do we trust God's word? When it comes to some of the big issues around at the moment and gender and sexuality, do we trust what the media say or do we trust what God's word says? Because God's word has been tried and it has been tested. Who do you trust? Now, the devil has his own Bible. It's called the media. It's called the media. And the devil is the father of lies. It's one of the devil's names, his father of lies. And he is constantly telling us, feeding us fear into our lives. Through the media, through various platforms. Lies like if you give to half the house, you won't have enough. If you tithe, you'll miss out. If you give, there'll be nothing left. If you can't see it, don't trust it. This is, this is the lies that the, 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 the enemy is feeding us. But I've got to choose to trust God. I've got to choose to trust God. Not with just our feelings, but with our feet. There is a difference between what we feel and what is true. Can I just say that again? That just needs to be a word in season. There is a difference between what is true and what you feel. Sometimes what I feel is not true, even though it feels true. And my feelings often get in a way of the truth. Be careful at university, be careful at school, they're not teaching you feelings. The, the more that society moves away from the Bible, they're moving away from the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and it leads to life. And it's one thing to feel, feel God, but it's another thing to walk with him. And some of us, we've walked with God, we've felt God, uh, sorry, we've felt God, but now it's a t- an opportunity for us to walk with him. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith. We've got to walk by faith. Two years ago this month, we broke ground. We did it in the wrong spot, as I've said, um, but the idea was good. This is what we said on that night. We said, we cannot, we cannot finish what we don't start. And we started to test God. We said, I wonder if we could clear the ground. I wonder if we could put the foundations in. I wonder whether we could purchase the steel. I wonder if we could put the steels up. And we started to test God and test God and test God. And because we've tested God over the last two years, he has not failed us. I know he will not fail us in the final part. Because he has been tested, he can be trusted. But you can never trust God until you test him. You can't withhold from God and trust him because he can't prove his character to you. He can't prove his word, his will, and his way unless you test him. And when you test him, you'll be able to trust him. Half the house last week was phenomenal and it might have made you feel good, but in three weeks, we get to test it. We get to test God's word. The first question the disciples were asking was, who do you trust? And I think the answer that Jesus was saying is, We choose to trust his word, his will, and his way. So then what's our next step? Jesus, first of all, he challenges the disciples and says, we can't even get to the mountains until you understand your trust issues. But then he says this, he says, what do you say? 
First of all, who do you trust? And then secondly, what are you going to say? Jesus says, you can say to this mountain. You can speak to your situation. You can. Now, this is interesting. He says you can. He doesn't say you must. He says you can. It's a choice. It's a choice. You can either live with your mountain or you can choose to speak to it and believe it's going to be removed. A lot of people live with their problems. They settle on their, they just settle, well, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get married. That's, that's what you've spoken to your mountain. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get out of debt. That's exactly what you've spoken to your mountain. And so he gives you an opportunity. He says, you can choose what you say to your situation. God has given you the authority to speak to the mountain in front of you, the mountain on your card or the mountain you're about to write down. He has given you the authority to speak by faith in Jesus into your situation. Now, this is something new that God showed me this week. Prayer is vertical between you and God, but mountain talking is horizontal. Often we talk to God about our mountains. He's like, talk to the mountain. He's like, I can hear you. So the, the first thing he addresses is the trust issue, which is his word, his will, his way. And then he says, now I'm giving you the authority of trust to speak directly across into your situation. So you have a sickness in your family, you take authority. The word says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. The word bind means to disallow. Disallow. So you disallow sickness, debt, divorce, whatever that situation is, you disallow on earth. So you take authority through your trust in God and then you speak directly to the mountain. I did it this week. I spoke to the new building. It's weird. If you were there, I'm sorry. I spoke to it. I said, this building will be paid in full in Jesus' name. Debt, you have no right over our church. We will walk in complete freedom. We're going to walk so we can keep continuing to help and love others. Some of you think I'm mad. It's not my word, it's God's word. Prayer is where we speak to God. Warfare is where we speak directly to our enemy. So when I speak to the mountain... I'm expecting it to relocate because of my trust. Where's my trust? His word, his will, his way. And so I expect it to move. Jesus said, as I said in Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Often we speak to God about our mountain in speaking, instead of speaking to our mountain. And I encourage you this week, encourage you wherever you are to speak to your mountain. Speak to your mental health. You have no right in my, in my mind. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I speak, I speak to my marriage. I'm laying hands. I'm going to lay hands on the photo of the day I got married. I'm going to lay hands. I'm going to declare this marriage will last. This marriage will be strong. Satan, you have no right in my marriage. What God has joined together, no one can put us under. So you speak directly into the mountain that you're facing. What are you saying about your mountain? Someone said to me this week, he said, John, you need to be careful at the church. There's a new wave of COVID coming. And I looked at him and I said, brother, I said, I will not accept that. I am not having that. I will shut that thing right down because I will not allow that talk. It's, 
what, what are you saying about your children? What are we saying about our teenage kids? What are we saying about the economy? What are we saying about our sickness? You see, what you see and what you say need to be different. We're not ignoring the facts. We're not ignoring what's happening, but what you've got to speak the word of God. And if you don't have faith, don't you dare infect others. If you leave this message today and you don't have any faith, that's okay, but don't infect others because someone else might have faith. And sometimes faith, can I just say this? Sometimes faith begins by sticking your fingers in your ears. I just can't be around people who can't see it or who doubt it because it affects me. If I'd have listened to everyone who talked to us about this new building, I'll tell you, this building, when I got up, you've got to keep walking by faith. You've got to keep talking by faith. You've got to keep speaking what isn't as if it was. I want to be around word of faith people. Word of faith people, which means the faith of Jesus is in their spirit, in their heart. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words release life or death. What are we going to say of the Lord? This is what I'll say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He is my God. In Him I will trust. Be careful the words you speak in your home. The week before we got married, Chantal and I, we made an agreement. We made an agreement. It was this. We would never say the D word, divorce, in our marriage. We will never speak that word. Why don't we speak that word? Because words have power. And does that mean we've not had any challenges? Oh, no. There's a, you know, Chantel plays up from time to time. And we have to, we have to you know, work through things. Trust me, it's a, uh, the other way around. But we will not. Can I encourage you, whatever's happened to this date, draw a line in the sand. Do not whisper that word in your home. Do not allow the divorce word to come out of your mouth, those who are married, because it, it puts authority into the atmosphere. Speak words of life. Go for a drive. Take a cold shower. Go on a bike ride. Do something. Get out of the house. But allow God's spirit to fill you. Allow his presence to come through you and speak words of life into the atmosphere. We're not going to use words like lack or poverty or divorce or waves. We want to speak life into the atmosphere of our home. Come on, we don't need to feel it. We just got to release God's word of faith. What do you say? I choose to speak to the mountain. Jesus addresses their trust, then he addresses their words, and then he goes one, one, one more. He says, I'm going to address the core, your core issue. And this is the core issue. You must really believe it will happen and have no doubt. Now, this is difficult. This is really difficult because this is where I get myself in trouble. I'm good with one and two, but three, anyone else struggle with doubting? I trust God, I speak the word of faith, and then the doubts creep in. The doubts, they seem to come, come and find me. And I think Jesus was asking him this question, why do you doubt? The disciples, just like us, they were doubters, and Thomas was the ringleader. You can just imagine, can't you, in the corner with Judas, you know, he's not, he's not sorted out the Roman occupation and made us sit in a field all day without any lunch. And, you know, you can, just, you can just see some of his little doubting comments. Who knows it only takes one in the pack? You ever been in a room and just one person can doubt and it can spread? One comment, one post, one word, it can undermine everything God has done. 
You can be blessed in church and someone just drop a little comment and it can just, can just get hold of you. You know, you can say, that's a lot of money for that new church, but that one little comment can undo so much. You can, and we've got to be careful of doubt. And so this is what God showed me, that I've got to, defu- I've got to choose to diffuse my doubt. Now, I'm not an electrician, and you need to thank our good Lord for that. But to diffuse means to remove the fuse. And when you take a fuse out, you break the circuit. And the circuit of unbelief in our life can be broken when you remove the fuse of doubt. Remove the fuse before it detonates. Because it causes so much harm in people's life, unbelief. So what are the fuses? What are the fuses that we face? Anything that contradicts the message of Jesus is doubt in our lives. Anything that contradicts the message of Jesus could be, for me, comparison. Comparison can be a fuse. Anyone else, comparison can be a fuse. It can be a fuse. Nothing will cause you to doubt yourself more than comparison. You see on social media, someone else's family is on a lovely summer holiday and you're stuck and you can't afford a holiday. So what do you do? You start doubting yourself. I wasn't a good enough parent. I didn't work hard enough. And so it starts causing comparison and doubt about who you are and who you are in Christ and all these things. And it's simply because of the fuse of comparison. Other parents are doing it so much better with their kids and their kids are in church and my kids aren't in church and their kids got that and my kids. And suddenly we start to compare ourselves. It's simply because we've never diffused the doubt. Friendship fuses, well-meaning people, but they drop words of doubt. The fear fuse. We get so fearful, it creates doubt in our lives. Heart for the house can actually create fear in our lives because if we give, the enemy says there won't be enough for me. So Jesus' question in the disciples says, why do we doubt? And the answer is we doubt because we allow things or people to get closer to us than Jesus. Whenever you and I allow things in our life to get closer to us than Jesus, it's the media, social media, people's opinions, people's words, whenever we allow things to get closer to us in Jesus, we will doubt. We will doubt others and we will doubt ourselves. So Jesus says you've got to diffuse your doubt. Trust, then our words, and then our doubt. And then Jesus, he challenges his disciples with one final question. And this is probably the big one. When will it happen? When? Anyone else ever question God on when? I know I do. We're all about when. When is this mountain going to move? Who's been, honestly, you've been facing the same mountain for Weeks, months, years. For me, it's seven years. I'm like, when? And Jesus says twice. Can we put the the whole scripture up again, please? He says this. When will it happen? And he says twice. He says, it. And does not happen down the harbor, believes that what they sell will happen. Will happen. Will happen. We want the when so we can plan our then. This is how we are, humans. 
We want to know when something's going to happen so we can plan our then. When can the new church be paid in full so then Chantelle and I can relax? That's what I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. We want the when so we can plan the then. And God's like, I don't work like that. All I promise is it will happen. It will happen. When I get a job, when will I get a job so then I can go on holiday? God never seems to reveal the when until it's accomplished. Now I was, I stayed up on Monday evening to put some thoughts together for this message and it's a bit jet lagged still and God spoke to me, he said this, and this is a word for someone in here, he says, John, you're still on schedule. And somebody needs to hear this today. You're still on schedule. Your miracle is still on schedule. I don't know when and I don't know how. All I know is it is still on schedule. It will happen. We trust in God that he has still got us on schedule. You're exactly where God needs you to be. You're exactly where God needs you to be. Mark chapter 5, Jesus is on the way to Jairus' daughter's house. Some of you know the story. And Jairus' daughter, she's 12 years old. My daughter's turning 12 in just a few weeks. And she is, she is sick. She's a poorly little girl. And they've tried medicine. They've tried everything they can. And Jesus is the last resort. They say, call for Jesus. The disciples, they run and get Jesus and say, hey, Jarius, who's a well-respected leader in, 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 the, in the community, they said, his daughter is, is dying. He says, I'll come. Jesus agrees to come. The doctor's on the way, but the doctor gets distracted. And it seems like the miracle is off track because Jesus bumps in to a lady who's hemorrhaging blood on the side of the road. And she stretches out her hand and she touches his jacket. And in that moment, the woman with the issue of blood is healed and the story turns from Jairus' daughter to this lady who's been healed on the side of the road. And his disciples are getting so frustrated. They're like, you promised that you'd come. You promised that you'd come and heal this little girl. Yet you've been distracted by this stranger. When he got to the house where Jairus' daughter was, it says he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went into them. Why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Jairus' daughter has been pronounced dead. And this is interesting. It says, and he put them all out. Do you know, sometimes you've got to put people out of your life that cause you to doubt. He says, he put them out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talafakum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk. What a miracle. In your waiting, God is working. In your waiting right now, God is still working. God is still working, even though nothing makes sense. The biggest mountains position themselves right in front of the biggest miracles. And you're facing a big mountain, and I'm facing a big mountain right now, but there is a miracle on the other side of the mountain. Now, I'm not on Snapchat. Thank Jesus. I've got enough problems. But I'm told, I've never even been on Snapchat, I'm told on Snapchat, you take a snap. It's like a 60-second, a 67-snap scene of your life. It's just a scene, just a 60-second scene. 
Some of you are judging your whole life right now on a scene. Don't judge your story because of your scene. Your scene might not look good. It might look like sickness, loneliness. It might look like your marriage is in trouble. But actually, the story is still unfolding in your life. Don't stop reading your Bible just because you don't like the chapter. It's just a scene in the story. I don't like that verse, so I'm going to throw away the story. Don't judge the Bible on a verse or on a chapter because there is a greater message throughout. Don't leave the church because you don't like the sermon. Don't leave the job because it was a tough week. It is simply just a scene in your life. Don't quit the marriage. Someone needs to hear this today. Do not quit your marriage because you don't like the scene right now because there is a greater story to be told. The night before we got married, where's Chantel? Here she is. 2006, April the 6th, the night before we're about to get married, we had the Barney of all Barneys. In fact, we've never had one as good as that one. You know what I'm talking about, a good one? You know it's a good one because you make up really well. That's a good one. That's for the marriage seminar. We had a Barney and she said, well, we should just not get married tomorrow. I said, you're right, we shouldn't get married tomorrow. Her family was here from California. Our family had traveled in and we were just going to break up on the eve of our marriage. Why? Because we had a bad scene. Well, thankfully... The story continued. And some of you, you're in the middle of a bad scene right now. But guess what? You've got to trust His Word, His will, and His way. Because it will heal. It will come through. It will be healed. It will come through the darkest valley. You've just got to trust God. Your scene is not your story. Your story is your message. Your scene, stop telling everyone your scene. Stop telling Facebook about your scene. Stop telling the world about your scene and focus on our story. Our story is this, 17 years married. That's our story. Now, I'm not gonna tell you all the scenes because some of the scenes aren't for public. But here's the story. We're still in love. We're still married. She's put up with me for 17 years. We've got to trust God. So right now, here's the scene. The scene is we've got this big mountain, 1.4 million in front of, but you know what? The story continues. We're not gonna camp at the scene. We're gonna trust God. It will, it will happen. It will, come on, it will. Some of you gotta put some doubt out of your life. There's more to your story. You're still on schedule. Stay in the story, stay in the story. Stay in the story. The scene was Jarius' daughter was dead. That was the scene. But that wasn't the story. That wasn't the story because Jesus had another scene. He came along and he asked that little girl to rise and she got up and walked. You're broken right now. And I'm not dismissing how you're feeling. I'm saying it's a scene. You're broke right now. It's just a snapshot. Maybe you've been through a divorce and maybe you're feeling the pain. As a church, we're there for you, but it's still just a scene. It is not the end of the story. The story can continue as you put your trust in Jesus. With our new building, it will be paid in full with overflow. 
because that's the end of the story. Because we know what God's word and what God's will and what God's way is for our future. Come on, turn to someone next to you and say, there's more to my story. 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 Let's stand. I want to encourage you. Can I also encourage you? Share your story. Don't share every scene. Share your story. Who came through? Who came through a rocky marriage? Who came through strong the other side? Put your hand up. You've come through. Share your story. This couple here, share your story. Because there's people in our church right now who are in a bad scene and they need to hear your story. Who came through debt? Who came through debt? You came through debt. You need to share your story. You need to write a book. Come on, who's gone through debt? You've come out the other side. Share your story. Who's come through sickness? You thought you were done. You thought you couldn't go on. Share your story, Vanessa. This lady here, share your story. 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 Don't get on Facebook and share your scenes. Share your story. Oh God, this is what my this is what I once was, but I was lost, but now I'm found. I was in darkness, but now I'm in glorious light. I was in a di- an attic, but now I'm in freedom. I was sick, but now I'm healed. Come on, we've got to share the story. Share the story. My story is that Jesus is my Savior. My story is Jesus is the rock on which I stand. My story is that He is still my healer. Don't always try and look for logic and methodology behind God's timing because you won't find it. You won't find it. Nothing made sense at Jairus' deathbed. But Jesus said, you've got to trust me. And so the answer to our fourth question is, I choose to trust the schedule, God's schedule. So who do you trust? The answer is I choose to trust His word, His will, His way. What do you say? What are we going to say about our mountains this week? I choose to speak to my mountains, not about my mountains. I'm going to speak in faith with the authority that Christ has placed inside of me to every mountain that comes my way this week. And then Jesus says, why do you doubt? I choose to diffuse the circuit and diffuse my doubt. I'm going to remove doubt and I'm going to put my faith in Him. Jesus, when will it happen? He comes back and says simply, choose to trust the schedule so if God has challenged you today God has challenged you today saying God I need to trust you I need to speak to my mountain I need to diffuse diffuse my doubts God I'm moving and I'm trusting you and believing that mountains will be moved and cast in the sea I want you to lift up your hand I want to pray for you right now in fact I want you to hold your little card your little prayer card maybe you haven't written anything down but just hold it in faith we're going to hold it up together We're going to sing this song in just a moment. I see you move. You move the mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Take out your heart. We're going to speak to it right now. Father God, say after me. Father God, I choose to trust you. I trust your word. I trust your will. And I trust your way. This week, 
I'm going to speak to my mountains. Not speak about my mountains, but speak to my mountains. I diffuse doubt in my life. I break the circuit and I put my trust in your schedule. I thank you, Jesus. It will happen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sing this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you can speak in the words of the Spirit right now, I want you to begin to speak in the words of the Spirit. Come on, we want to see mountains move this week, over these next few days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We walk by faith and not by sight. We put our trust and we put our hope in you, even though there are mountains surrounding us. We thank you that you give us the authority to speak to those mountains. And so I speak health into sick bodies right now. I thank you, your word says, by your stripes we are healed in Jesus' name. To every mind, Father God, that is battling mental health, dark thoughts, we speak the light and the life of Jesus into every thought. We take every thought, every negative thought captive right now in Jesus' name. And we release freedom into people's minds. Freedom, who the Son sets free, is free indeed. Indeed, we come against doubt right now. We say go in Jesus' name. We walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you that you will carry us, Father. In Jesus' name. scene is not the end. Someone just needs to be reminded again, you're seen. This is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. Our trust is in God. Our trust and our hope is in Him. Don't live in the scene you're in. Know it will happen. There is a new day dawning in your marriage. There is a new day dawning for your business. There is a new day coming. There is light coming at the end of the tunnel as you put your trust and your hope and your faith in Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want us to sing that, bless God in the sanctuary. Bless God when the fields are plenty. Bless God when my hands are empty. I think there's a power in this today because I actually think this is, this is the bit where we actually declare with our mouth. Because if you can bless God when your hands are empty, you can bless God at any time. You can bless Him when things are down. I, I just feel there's a power. If you've got to go, you've got to go. I get it. I just, want to, I just feel God's going to do something right now in this service. And God's going to move and shift some mountains. It begins by shifting and pushing back everything that's come against you today and trusting in Him, putting your hope in Him again. Come on. You've got to doubt your doubts today. You've got to doubt your doubts. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for one more group of people. Everything we've talked about today begins with a relationship with Jesus. Today you can put your trust in Him. Maybe you've tried to put your trust in so many other things and they've let you down, and sadly they will. Because this trust in Jesus is eternal. 
and He loves you. He loves you so much that He died for you. He went to the cross. He shed His blood so that you could have your sins forgiven and you could have assurance of eternal life. I don't know who I'm praying for today, but right now, if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, if you've never accepted Him as your personal Savior, this is a... This is an opportunity to receive His grace, receive His strength. You're saying, John, I, I don't know. If I left earth today, whether I'd spend eternity with Jesus, you can have that assurance right now by giving your heart to Him, putting your trust and your hope in Him. I'm simply gonna count to three. You say, John, that's me, pray for me. All over this room, just slip up your hand. Say, include me in that prayer. One, He loves you, friend. Two, would you have the courage to respond? Three, just slip up your hand, nice and high. Say, pray for me, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you. Amazing. Anyone else say that's me? All right, let's say this prayer together from our hearts today. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer. Whether you're watching online, please just drop a little comment in on the chat. If you prayed that prayer, one of our team will reach back to you. If you're in the room here, you lifted up your hand, or maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you said that prayer from your heart today, our team will be out in the atrium afterwards, and they're going to give you a gift. It's uh, Mark's Gospel from the Bible. We'd love to give you that as a, as a gift from our church and also encourage you tonight, we're starting a course, it's called Follow Jesus. I'm told we've already got over 40 people signed up to follow Jesus this evening. It starts at 5 p.m. And if you have questions around Christianity, faith, the future, heaven, hell, all these questions we have around kind of what's happening in our world right now. We're going to try and unpack some of these questions. It's a free course. We'd love you to jump on it. Just come along at five o'clock tonight. You don't need to register. Just come out and uh, we'll, 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 we'll signpost you to where you need to be. And it's going to be a brilliant night in church. So I encourage you. But well done, for, well done for making that decision today. Can we congratulate every person who's said that prayer one more time? Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.